Guys of a Certain Age is brought to you by no one. Absolutely no one, except these dudes walking down memory lane. Now let's head to the studio to see what they misremember next. It's the podcast that one of the members is no longer on strike. It's guys of a certain age. Robbie Koblenz in studio alongside. I'm the one that's on strike. <laughs> Art Shirley. And Jay Reed. Yeah, we saw Jay picketing outside. Then we, we had to explain to him that the uh, line was for SAG after not sad actors. And he realized he was neither. <laughs> and so he decided to come in out of the heat. It's clever. Do you work on that? How long did you work on that? I mean, that came to me this morning. Sad, sad actor uh, versus sad. I, I would be more, I think, in the writer strike side of things. So let's think. Yeah, being probably. a writer. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. I mean, we don't write anything here. Well, that's most. true. So, yeah. Well, yeah. So he says, but but yet there's <laughs> a book. Go. But you know, that we have you ever seen inside the book art? I have not. So it's how do we like, you know, they were mean to me today. <laughs> this is my journal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were mean to me here. A sad writer journal. And they, yeah. they were mean to me here. Uh-huh. And I'm going to get them back. I'm going to bake them something for Christmas of 2027. And that's going to have some sort of drug in it for. I've always wanted to make X-Lax brownies for somebody. Oh, that's a good thing to know. <laughs> Note to self. <laughs> yeah. Never eat anything Jay said he made himself. By the it, way. It'll come out all right. Don't worry. Here's something uh, <laughs> for you guys. <laughs> and we lost Robbie. <laughs> yeah. What were you saying, Art? I don't know. I don't know. Wow. Okay. Well, let's <laughs> jump into some How about that? Geeks of the Week. Uh, who wants to go first? I'll go first while I can remember it. <laughs> uh, go ahead. Aquaman, the sequel Aquaman. to Aquaman, which I can't remember what it's called. Isn't it like the Disturbing Kingdom of Disney or something? Something like, like that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's uh, going through significant reshoots and some rewrites and stuff, which I don't know how they're doing that. I mean, if, they, if there's a writer's strike, how do, you, how do you have reshoots and rewrites? But anyway, they're supposed to be doing that. Uh, they, I think they're done, but they've done like three rounds of Okay, that's what it reshoot. is. It's definitely okay. in the news now because that was on my geek list. Oh, was it? Not, oh, not, for, not, for, not okay. for right now. <laughs> All right, anyway, they've, they've cut Ben Affleck's Batman scene from it. Is that it? I got it. Oh, was it? What I read was they basically cut Batman entirely. Yeah, they, they had changed had originally cut Michael Keaton, right, right, and replaced him with Ben Affleck, and now uh, uh, James Gunn and Saffron have decided that they don't want to promise uh, fans something that's not going to happen, so they're not going to show Ben Affleck, and so there will be no Batman in there at all. Right, yeah. that's crazy. So, anyway, I mean, I guess crazy. I don't really care. Crazy like a fox. There you go. Did you realize Aquaman was the highest that's, grossing yeah. DC universe yeah. movie? Would you is so that's that's DCU right yeah. or DCEU whatever it was before. It doesn't go back to like Superman seventy eight or no. Christopher Nolan or Keaton's Batman. I guess no. right. No. But yeah, but that was surprising to me. It's not to me because they all kind of have that mediocrity in them. Yeah, but I mean, still, I just Aquaman being the character that's so often ridiculed. Of course, Jason Momoa has made him cool again. But, yeah. Uh, anyway, well, I thought Wonder Woman would have outgrown. I would have thought Wonder Woman the the first Wonder Woman. I thought was to me still the the best of the of the movies that have been made. I would have thought it probably would have been the highest ranking one of them so far. But uh, or even Man of Steel. You know, maybe Man of Steel did well. And before it, you know, I don't know. I know people like it. They still think, bring back the Snyderverse. Snyderverse. 
Snyderverse. What do you got there, Jabo? What have I got in relation to Batman, Aquaman, or just my own geek? Your own, your own geek. I mean, your own geek. Great. Okay, my geek is. It's great. I'm over here scrambling for uh, anyway. Did he take um, it away from me? Do you no, need more time? Not, no, 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 no. I was saving that for later. He looks and says, "Aquaman." <laughs> <laughs> well, I pretty much I'm right there. This everything you just said is written right there. Before I got here, um, but I have another. Um, my another one is. In, oh wait, did you not know? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be surprised if you have this one. Um, in 2025, the Comic Con universe will expand to a cruise. Oh, wow. Yeah, which kind of caught my eye just because I've been on one of those, I guess, for lack of a better word, themed cruises before. You know, when we had a, mine was Gaither, so you had all the music and the concerts and all that. But ours was seven days in Alaska. This one is four days, I think, from Tampa to Cozumel. So it's shorter. Mm -hmm. And right now they're advertising it as this is coming. It's a Royal Caribbean boat. There's lots of cool things to do. Um, But they haven't put anybody's name on it yet. Right. They're saying it'll be A-list, you know, people but uh, if the strike's not over well well hopefully about 2020 summer 2025 <laughs> another run the nerd boat yeah which would be perfect for me but this um, is comics for everyone. hey here's here's a thought <laughs> What did you say? Promises comics for everyone. Set your course for adventure, your mind on a new storyline. We should put our names in. I mean, because if there is still an actor strike, they're going to need somebody. And the multiverse. Guys of a certain age. So they're looking for Swan Room tonight. A list. What what letter of the alphabet do we hit? The G list. I am going God, to stop it. drinking water during this because <laughs> That's probably a good idea. I probably I've done almost two yeah, speak to you have like a little uh, spark in your laptop. But, the G list, um, the G list, guys of a certain age. Yeah. I think I want to go with something else. Yeah, <laughs> I, oh yeah, jokes. Uh, uh, yeah, sorry, are sorry, not Mrs. Going to be completed in Yeah, the sorry, Mrs. Reed. But so. I think I'm going to follow it just to find out who would, which A list actors and whatever voice actors would show up for something like that. Yeah. Because you look at, I mean, even in Mississippi's Comic Con, you get concerned you had some pretty if James good... Cameron's on the boat? Hey, <laughs> that's my geek. Uh, oh, don't, well. Don't talk, I've got my, I've got a James Cameron geek. I, I think I know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, th- I'm, I may get on the mailing list just to find out who's going. I'm definitely not investing in that cruise, but it would be interesting to see who, who shows up because it'll be like cosplay and there's going to be Q and a the same kind of things you oh, see at a comic be all kinds of play there i'm sure that's right you're right about that it'll be uh Cosmo stranded play. on a boat with alcohol and cosplayers that just leads to all kinds of craziness sorry chaos ensues what what level is the basement level those <laughs> oh that's the aquaman level yeah. that's when you need to come see me and get all the seasick pills yeah, you can take that's right oh man have you guys ever been to a large-scale con like that before Mm-mm. no i did uh, panopticon uh, i think 83 or 84 in new orleans a doctor who convention in new orleans i was 14 my wow. eye, my eyes were man. opened yeah no kidding oh yeah Wow. Was okay. it like a Comic-Con? I mean, everybody just dresses up and Q&A oh, yeah, and that was, kind of stuff? Man, or it? it was everything. So, yeah, you had a big uh, vendor's room where it was my first experience at back, going through and seeing back issues. You met a couple of the uh, actors from the show. They showed old serials. Yeah. On 16-millimeter or 8-millimeter film. Cool. So they had a room going just, constantly yeah. with old uh, Doctor Who episodes. Cool. That's neat. So it was fun. 
Well, so it's the first time I ever went to Cafe Dumont. How about that? That's it special. was great. I I looked at maybe going to the Mississippi one this year because uh, Chris Lloyd was there. Christopher, thought, yeah. Christopher Floyd, yeah, mm-hmm. and Sean Aston. Chris Lloyd, you call him Chris. Yeah, Chris, yeah. Chris, Chris Lloyd, and Sean <laughs> Aston were there, and uh, Lou Ferrigno. Yeah. So I, I mean, it was probably that, a, a better lineup than normal. Yeah, for, I thought it looked like for it was, Mississippi. That's next weekend. No, it's, it's this already, weekend. No, it's already happened. Oh, I thought it was this weekend. It's already happened. Yeah, I talked to a guy the other day that had that went, and he said it was pretty cool oh, okay. to see those folks. But yeah, who wants to come to Mississippi in the middle of July? <laughs> Good point. Yeah, you can go point. on a cruise. Yeah, with Jay in the basement. <laughs> with, with mysterious Ooh. pills. Sean Aston, this is hotter than Mordor, Mr. Sam. <laughs> Jay in the basement with pills that make you feel good. Hey, it's a oh, podcast. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, Jay's basement pills. That could be a podcast right Jay's there. Jay's basement pills. Oh, let me write yeah. that down. Yeah. <laughs> and something else we'll never see. So. Right. Uh, my is that is that's, your, all. Is that's that all. all. That's all. Can you so, handle any more? Well, I tell you what, this one's great. So James Cameron was interviewed this last week about uh, AI and uh, large scale language models like ChatGPT, <laughs> and his quote was, "I warned you guys in 1984, and you didn't listen." Yeah, I saw that. That's good. I mean, what what better? What what? Tried to tell you. Yeah, yeah, Skynet's coming. So, but uh, basically, he also said that, you know, AI models are drawing from across a lot of mediocrity, and mediocrity can only spawn mediocrity, Mm. uh, which I probably explains this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So, but uh, spawn of mediocrity. That should be that's that's (laughs) That's the the podcast. Yeah, that's the podcast with Jay's basement pills. So, but anyway, I just saw that and I just I guffawed. It's interesting. James Cameron has popped up in that discussion, and also because of the submersible right. the Titanic, he's Mm -hmm. you know he's had a lot to say about that as well. So he's been well. He made two. He made four huge movies or three huge movies. You know, Terminator, Terminator Two about AI, and then obviously Titanic. So. And then all the documentary stuff he did, you yeah, know, uh, kind of because of the research he did on Titanic and all that. Yeah. Did you guys like uh, what uh, Blockbuster season two where they did James Cameron? Yeah, I, I didn't like it as much as the Lucas and Spielberg thing. Yeah, me too. But I uh, but I did really. I mean, it, to me, there was a lot of stuff I learned that I didn't. Oh realize. yeah, it was very yeah. informational. Mm-hmm. And the the drama part was a little bit too much. But. Yeah, it's like they kind of they went a little too far with that this time. Yeah. So I, I just think this is what James Cameron's going to have on his tombstone. I warned you in 84 yeah. and you didn't listen. I think that'll be good. I don't think it'd be good because that would mean lots of people are dead at the hands Well, if they're still doing it. a tombstone by that point, it'd be okay. Man. Yeah. Wow. If he's not just like, AI. you know, incinerated in skeletons, you know, yeah. in, a, in a, what is it, <laughs> the end where they're stepping on skulls and stuff. It's a, when's the last, time you, saw, when's the last time you saw Terminator? You know, I I, I well, uh, I broached this idea to Art. I think we should do it. Maybe we should do it next week if we've got time, or or in August when it gets a little slow. Watch Terminator. Well, well watch. Don't a, jump the gun. Okay. Wow. Watch a classic. Rewatch a classic science fiction or fantasy movie, the same one the three of us, and then let's discuss it and see how well it holds up. Okay, I'm on, I'm in. 
for Art and I, it would probably be the second, third, or fourth time we've seen it. Maybe the first time. Probably. Today. Which would be yes. a, an interesting level of discussion. Yeah, it, it would. It be. would. Um, <laughs> we, we talk, it could be. It <laughs> could be. It could be. <laughs> we talk, we talked hope. about The Last Star, Starfighter, which both of us have got, pointing yeah. at Art. I don't know if you have a copy of The Last Starfighter. A copy? I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't know if that was one of those DVDs you held back. No, I don't think I've seen that one. You, ever seen the, you didn't see The Last Starfighter when it came out? I don't recall seeing it. I know the name, but I don't think I've seen it. Okay. But if I did, then. it's been so long that I've forgotten. Another one that'd be great to watch would be Tron. Tron. See how well now, I have watched. I have rewatched Tron. I think I rewatched it before the second one came out. And you know, the third one's going. There's a third one in production. I saw that too, yeah. I want to ride the ride. Okay. So, <laughs> wow. There's, the a, there's bl- a Tron ride at Disney, right? Yes. Tron okay. train. Okay. So, uh, The Black Hole, which is also on Disney Plus, yeah. would be another great one. I watched now, that's that on one. my list from y'all to watch. Yeah, I watched that one right after I got Disney Plus. And I was, and, it, and I was looking through it again, and I said, man, I need to watch that again. It's just really good. It's good. It holds up really I well. I thought it did, too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah old B.O.B. Reminds me a little mm-hmm. bit of old J.A.Y. So, <laughs> All right. We're going to uh, diverge. We're going to do our second uh, half of the interview with Roland Mann, the uh, creative genius behind Silver Line. Uh, we were we were scrounging for subject matter. We didn't have Jay last week. We uh, replayed Roland. Uh, we're going to hit his second half of the interview, and uh, we'll see you guys next time around. We're back, true believers. This is the second half. We hope it's the second half. This may be part two of three, three of four, who knows, with uh, my talk with Roland Mann. Uh, the famed editor writer of the Lita Ford Rocket comic book from way back in the Malibu days. Wow! Yeah, I had again had no idea. Roland had no idea. So that's pretty wild. Yeah, yeah. I, I really thought you were lobbing me a softball, yeah. dude. So when when uh, when last we met, Roland had just had lunch with Stan Lee. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So that was. A highlight of my time at at, at uh, Malibu. The, then what happened next? When when did you leave Malibu? And then I mean, Marvel went into bankruptcy somewhere in yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. So so um, so the purchase the 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 Marvel purchase of, of Malibu happened in '94, and the industry was already seeing signs of decline. I mean, we we had this boom, the the independent boom of the '80s. Uh, which led into an uh, uh, an industry wide boom in the early '90s. That's when we got, you know, the uh, the death of Superman graphic novels sold something like eight million copies, and we had X Men comics selling five million copies. You know, and, and there was a lot of marketing behind that, uh, of course. But but we had this boom in which there was a lot of money in the in comics in the early '90s. But uh, you know, Malibu was looking for a, a purchaser partly because you know, hey we were, you know, we, we, they could see the signs and sales were declining overall. Uh, a little known fact is, is uh, before the DC thing and before the Marvel thing, uh, Malibu almost became Paramount Comics. Really? Um, yep. They absolutely loved the way we handled, and now, and I say we, I didn't have anything to do with it, but they loved the way we as a company handled the Star Trek comics, and they hated the way DC did it, ah, right? Sure. So, so yeah, they were talking about buying the company. <laughs> wow. And, and becoming, and we were it becoming, and I remember us talking about it in, in the office, and and ultimately, I, I I don't remember why that fell through, but ultimately it, it did, and I think some of it had to do with with they had a contract with DC that um, 
that even had they published, I'm sorry, even had they purchased us, they would have, you know, there's still a contract with DC they would have had to honor. And and I just think it just, you know, they're like, ah, we don't want to do comics kind of thing, you know. You know, one of the theories I've heard about the the demise of the comic book shop uh, in, in the comic book industry was the rise of Magic the Gathering. Um, huh. I mean, so I talked to, you know, our common friends, uh, Rob and Steve Snell, who had yeah. Gundog Comics here. Um, and, you know, they kind of have pointed to, and some other folks in conversations, um, the disposable income that was being spent on comics ended up transferring to Magic. Um, and you ended up Magic just, just exploding. And maybe the, the comic book industry overbuilt. Um, you know, how many different promotional covers were there for oh my goodness you know an x-men yeah. book or a batman book or what have you right and, and you know back back to the time we're talking about you you had detective comments you had um you had batman and that was it and right. this was before shadow of the bat and every other bat spinoff same thing for x-men <laughs> yeah. you know you had x-men you had new mutants and you had uh then you had x-force that came on then uh, you had the classic x-men factor and then you had uh yeah yeah x-factor before x-force i'm sorry it's mm -hmm. x-force new moot i mean x-factor new mutants and x-men and then yeah. The X books exploded. You had yep. you know X Men Red, X I mean X Men Blue, X Men Gold, X Men <laughs> yeah. Pink, Chartreuse, X, X Man. Yeah, and, and it <laughs> yeah. just it overbuilt so quickly. Yeah. You could no longer go to your comic book shop and pick up a run of books. You mm -hmm. you had to invest so much money to keep current because of all the crossovers and what have you. So anyway, yeah, I, you know. So so, Marvel declares bankruptcy back in the bad old yeah. days. Where does that put uh, Where does that put Roland in the industry? Yeah, um, well, they, they declared bankruptcy, and in the span of two days, um, they fired uh, about four hundred people. Um, the funny thing about that is, and there's nothing funny about it, but, you know. But but the funny thing about it is, we kind of knew it was coming because. Um, so our president, the, the Malibu president was Scott Rosenberg. So um, he comes to us one day and says, hey, I, I'm, I'm going to New York tomorrow. They called and, and said they need to they need me to come up there. Right. He says, I'm leaving in the morning. Now, you got to keep in mind, this is before cell phones and all this kind of stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. So I come in to, to work the next day. And we're getting these phone calls from creators. Did you hear this guy was fired? Did you hear this guy was fired? All these Marvel office editors are being fired. And we can't call Scott Rosenberg because he's in, he's our president, right? He's on a plane flying to New York city. And so looking back, we know that was absolutely 100% intentional. They put him on a plane while he was on the plane. They fired everybody in, in New York and came out to us the next day mm. and fired us. Um, and, and so while this, the weird thing is, all this was happening in New York, right? Uh, I didn't get any work done that day. We, we were, to, you know, we were taking phone calls and me and Hank and Jim and, and several of the other guys, we were talking about it and we were like, you know, they put, this is intentional. They're coming for us next. And uh, several of us saw the writing on the wall. I, I, I kid you not. I called BJ and I said, bring the car. I'm packing up my office. <laughs> Oh, uh, and, and be, because 
I was afraid. I had listen. I loved that place. I I my, I gave my heart and soul to Malibu. Okay, I did. Uh, and, and you know, every, my office was mine. I had you know, I had personal items in there. I had personal comics. I had pictures and, and 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 flags and posters and art, things that belonged to me. Mm-hmm. That I said, once they get here, I don't want to have to argue that these things belong to me. Right. Sure. So, uh, so she came up there, we packed up uh, my office and, and, and I took 90% of my personal belongings out. Uh, when I arrived at work the next day, I was about uh, an hour early. There were armed guards at the door. <laughs> you were very, very smart. It, it, it was, it was, you know, it was just one of those things. And, um, and, and so we went in and at 901, over the loudspeaker came, Hank Knoltz, please come to Scott Rosenberg's office. Now, you got to remember, Scott Rosenberg is still in New York City, right? <laughs> but the lawyers had, had commandeered his office <sighs> and used it to fire everybody. Wow. So when, when Hank comes walking, Hank was the first fired. And so when Hank comes walking back, his office was right beside mine. All right. Hank who? Uh, Hank Knoltz. Okay. Hank Knoltz. Uh, Hank went on to be a, 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 the senior vice president at DC Comics. He was he was with DC up until just a few months ago when they had their massive uh, firing. He was with DC Comics for 24 years. Sure. And, and, and you know, DC just, just fired like 800 people. And he was one of the ones they let go. I was going to say, really sad. This is really reminiscent of what DC just went through. Very much so. And and in fact, he said, I I swap, you know, I'm still friends with Hank. And and he said, it feels very much like that. He said, he goes, only this one's the DC one, he said, was a little bit worse because he'd been there 25, 20, almost 25 years. And, you know, we don't, we hadn't been at, at Malibu five years yet, you know? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it was still hurt. Don't get me wrong. But when he comes walking back into his office, I could see the look on his face and he just gave me a thumbs down and he walked into his office and closed his door. And no sooner had he closed his door than, than the loudspeaker said, Roland man, please come to Scott Rosenberg's office. <laughs> and, uh, I, I went in there and, um, they had paperwork for me to sign, and I said, can I, you know, I'm assuming I can take this and, and let a lawyer read over it. He said, it doesn't leave this office. He goes, this is a one-time offer. If you do not accept it, they were offering me uh, severance, right? Sure, sure. Um, and, and they're like, you cannot take this paperwork. You're going to sign this, and um, we'll, and then you'll get your severance. If you walk out of this office, uh, you, you, this offer won't be available to you again. I had no choice. I mean, sure. I, I'm, I'm being fired and, and, you know, they're, they're, I didn't have, you know, I did not have any other, cause it, you know, caught us cold, you know, caught us blind and I didn't have any other jobs lined up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I don't know to this day, I'm not really sure what I signed. Sure. Um, it, but I signed in order to get me eight works with this eight weeks worth of severance. Sure. And, uh, and so I signed it and, uh, I got my severance, um, but uh yeah so um and, and and so i went home and moped um you know bj was working at uh cal state northridge at the time we had us uh we had us a place so mm-hmm. we, we weren't in any real uh, danger of uh us starving or being kicked out or anything like that but uh you know that was that was the reason we moved out to california and so i, I went home and was, was probably depressed for about a month 
until BJ finally said, stop it, get up and do something. <laughs> BJ was always the smartest of the two of you. So that's <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but you know, what, what, what happened then is that I decided, you know, I know how to do this stuff now. When I was doing, when I tried to do top comics and go to all the banks and get money, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to get the money. I didn't know any of that kind of stuff. You know, and of course I didn't, I was a student at the time, so I didn't have a bank account. I didn't have any of that stuff. And I, you know, I had stuff for collateral that I could use. And so I said, I'll just, I'll become a, a small press publisher. I can do it. I've, I've, you know, I've spent the last several years as an editor at Malibu and then at Marvel. I know how the machine works. I know how to take it now from start to finish where, where, you know, before that, I really just kind of knew how to put a book together. Mm-hmm. I didn't really know how to get it out to market. Right. So in, uh, and so the Marvel, so the Marvel layoffs all came in 96, right. Uh, uh, the fu- funny thing they were going, Marvel was going through a promotion called, uh, the Marvelution, right. Um, we affectionately refer to that period now as the Marvelcution. <laughs> <laughs> sure yeah yeah um but yeah so that was 96 and um so i just decided you know what i i know how to do this stuff i'm gonna start Silverline, and i'm gonna be a publisher and then in 97 uh took me a little while to get you know get stuff going in 97 i started publishing comics um under the the label Silverline, and uh, that's what i refer to as Silverline 2.0 um but it's the first time i actually was a publisher and from 97 then to uh, about 2000, um, about 2000, I published about 13 comic books. Um, and I, I think I still have Cat and Mouse 1 from that run. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I came across it not long ago going through some, some books. And uh, yeah, so I still have, I think it's cool. actually autographed by Roland Mann. So <laughs> how special. Well, hang on to it because, uh, you know, I've, I've got, a, I now have a volume two that's out. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we're, we're and, and I'm already working on a volume three. And we're actually talking about, um, uh, or I, I, say, I shouldn't say talking about, it. I'm actually working on putting together an omnibus of uh, of the run that you have that first issue of cool very nice yeah yeah so you can still find those out in the wild um they're, they're getting a little harder to find just because you know the kind of the people who are getting them are hanging on to them now there's not a whole lot of people dumping them um uh, but you can still run across them uh particularly the the later issues not necessarily issues you know one two three four uh but uh, the later issues they're they're fairly easy to come across in the cheap boxes of course, <laughs> but but hey hey you 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 got it out there so it was yep. it, it was a lot more difficult then to do an independent comment than than it is now so oh man yeah uh you, you know if, if technology and we can and I know you're 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 a big techno geek right and 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 so you know exactly what I'm talking about had the technology of print on demand digital print on demand not come around. I probably would not have relaunched Silverline 3.0. Sure. Right. Uh, because back then I had to, you know, we, we took orders and, you know, we solicited through, through, uh, through Diamond. We got the orders and, and you had to have a minimum print run of uh, 3,000 books. Mm-hmm. Right. So, unfortunately, my first handful of books paid for themselves. 
but then towards the end, because the industry was crashing, right? It was a wrong time to start a publishing company. I, sure. you know, I, I didn't think about that. You know, I just, uh, I just thought, oh, I know how to do this stuff now. I'm going to go do it. Um, but you know, I mean, that's that's part of the reason Marvel w- was, you know, declared bankruptcy and all these other companies went out of business. Um, but you had to, you know, you had to print you had to have a minimum print run. And, and so, you know, I remember I printed Switchblade number three, uh, which was the final issue of that. And I think my orders for that were like 800 copies. I had, I, I had, what was that? 800, uh, 2,200 <laughs> copies in my garage. Not unlike John Grisham when he first published A Time to Kill <laughs> and he was trying to sell them out of the back of his vehicle. <laughs> And he had boxes <laughs> upon boxes of them. So, yep. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, you know, and, and, and that was the thing is that, that, you know, I ended up with a, a lot of books that, um, you know, I would have had to have done a lot of shows to move all of that product. Sure. Um, and not saying that it never would have moved, but it was just the wrong time. And, and, and so, um, so in 2000, uh, I, I, I called it quits um i just said yeah i'm done i i hate comics i hate marvel i hate dc i hate every i hate all comics i hate everything i hate everything yeah yeah (laughs) you know i i had been i had been fired from from marvel which you know was kind of a a childhood dream to get you know when i got paid this is the day of paychecks right i got my paycheck and spider-man was on my paycheck you know i'm like (laughs) <laughs> look mom i made it you know i've arrived i've arrived so well that disappeared you know i lost all kinds of money it was silver line and so yeah i just hated everybody all right so let's move past the uh the uh, depressed uh grumpy rolling stage and then you know a few years ago silver line 3.0 which you've yep. got a ton of product out there talk oh, about that yeah um so so i after the depression and BJ once again kicked me and said, you know, get to work. Um, I went back to school, got a degree, started teaching, which is, which is what my day job is now. I, I, I'm a university uh, instructor. I teach creative writing, um, and which I absolutely enjoy. I, I absolutely love doing. Um, but around 2000 and I think it was about 2009, I stumbled upon a, an advertisement for, a publisher looking for someone to write an adaptation of Huckleberry Finn. Now, I will tell you, Huckleberry Finn is one of my all-time favorite novels. I, I know there's a, you know, a lot of the politically correct arguments about it and all that kind. Of, I get that, but it's a, one of my all-time favorite novels. I was teaching it in my in my English comp class, and so I was doing research online trying to figure out what can I ask them that's going to that they can't find easily online that is going to prove that they read the book. But I stumbled upon this website says, hey, we're looking for someone to do, write an adaptation of Huckleberry Finn. And of course, you have 10 years since I'd done comics, right? Oh, nearly 10 years. And I'm like, and I'm looking at it. And I'm like, I could do that. But do I want to do that? <laughs> Get your heart do, broken again. Right, yeah. exactly. So, I, you know, so Robbie, I sent this email. And it is, it is in my history of emails, probably the, the least professional email I've ever sent. <laughs> okay. I sent them this email I'm like, yeah, I wrote a bunch of comics. I was an editor at Marvel in Malibu. I could do this. <laughs> <laughs> they emailed me back immediately and say, you're hired. 
I'm like, what? That was easy. I'm wow. like, no, it wasn't supposed to be that easy. Well, and, the uh, the Malibu Marvel thing, okay, that 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 takes you a couple of uh yeah, that 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 gets you where you need to be. You know, that yeah. that's a nice way to lead off, you know, the the email that yeah, you you peons, I worked for the big dogs. <laughs> You know, I, I I think I could fit you in my schedule, you know. I, you know, and I know my that email was laced with that. And I regret it to this day, you know, but as I, I just I know that it was laced with that because I didn't really want to do it, but I did, you know. Uh-huh. Um and so so yeah, so um so I, I wrote an adaptation of Huckleberry Finn. And when I was done, they literally I submitted they paid me faster than anybody has ever paid me ever. Right. I submitted. Now, this is an Indian company. And when I say Indian, I don't mean American India. I mean, India, Indian. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, I, I make the I always make the joke. I was outsourced by India. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I submitted my script right one day and literally they PayPal me the very next day. Not really? Hours. Yes. Uh, I'm like, did you even read it? You just, you know, accepted it and sent me money. But um, but when I was done, Robbie, I'm like. That was fun. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I I remember I do like comics, don't I? And they emailed me back and they said, "Do you want to do another?" And I'm like, "Uh, yeah." yeah. Uh, and so they sent me a list. Here's all the classic literature that we want to do. And I'm like, "Holy crap! Look at all of this!" You know. And so I I, I chose Wizard of Oz. And uh, I'm like, I would love to to. Now I had never read the book, so I had to read the novel, right? And um, and it, it was it's a good novel. I you know, like, wow, this is actually this is actually really good. Yep. Uh, so I wrote that, and and then the person in charge asked me if I was available for a phone call. So she uh, skyped me back in then, and she said, "Listen, uh, we love what you're doing. You have an impressive resume. We need editorial help. We don't know what we're doing." <laughs> Long story short, they yeah. were an automobile company that had all kinds of money that they were investing in um, um, uh, the, the uh, child, uh, child education. They were trying to get Indian kids to read, right? So I'm, I'm like, that's a fantastic program. And so I spent the next eight months as an editorial consultant for them. That's cool. That's Very, way cool. Yep, yep. Uh, and it was me, and uh, I, I found out, afterwards that they were talking to uh, um, another former marvel editor howard mackey who uh, a lot of people know him for his uh, extensive run as a uh, writer on ghost rider um and so we worked together to uh, create editorial guidelines for them uh, and all that kind of stuff and so that was a lot of fun i i i got to do that and it was about that time that um i moved here and started teaching um, the comic class. And so, I, you know, my interest in comics and making them had kind of popped back up. And, and you know, my I was kind of kind of antsy, kind of going, you know, what, what else could I do? What, that was fun. I, you know, <laughs> I don't really want to be involved with them anymore, but, you know. You 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 kind of had had had, had your appetite reawakened. Now now yes. here being you're at Full Sail University in Orlando, correct? correct? Right. Yep. I'm sorry. Yeah, I moved down to uh, I moved down to, to Full Sail in uh, 2011, 
and uh, started started teaching. Uh, yeah, I've almost been here ten years. Wow, um, that's hard. Yeah, to I know. That's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> I remember when you took that job. Yep. Yep. Nuts. Uh, Absolutely yeah. nuts. So. But, so, so you're teaching creative writing. You're you're yep. teaching comic books at Full Sail. I am. But but you know we don't want to hear about your day job. We want to talk a little bit more about Silverline 3.0. So yep. th- you 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 discovered Kickstarter and then, yes I did. And then what happened? So so I discovered Kickstarter and uh, I discovered um, now I, I have a full full transparency here. Uh, there's a comic printing company called Kablam. That's who I use. Uh, the owners that uh, Kablam has been around for about 15 years. Um, the owners are, there's two of them, uh, Thomas Flormonti and Barry Gregory. I've known these guys for forever. Okay. Barry Gregory. I have probably known longer than anybody that I still currently speak to Barry Gregory. And I go back to, are you ready? The sixth grade. Oh, wow. Yes. Barry was a junior high pal in which he and I were drawing comics together on notebook paper. That's how long I've known Barry. Thomas Flormonti, I met in college, but he predates my comic career. I knew him because we kind of ran in the same geek circles. Sure. And when I and when I started when I broke into comics, then he started saying, "Hey, I you know I want to make comics too," and ultimately then I hired him as an inker. Uh, to do when I was at, at Marvel and at, at Malibu. Well, they started this print-on-demand uh, a printing company. And um, when I moved down here, you know, I'd go down and have lunch with them and just kind of hang out. And I'm looking at this stuff and I'm like, this is really cool. And they're showing me all the ins and outs. And I'm like, so wait, I can print one copy? One copy. Like, yeah, yeah, you can just print one copy. I'm like, and there's not like a $90 setup fee. They're like, nope, you can print one copy. I'm like, so wait now, how does, <laughs> I, I, listen, I'm remembering what I had to do in the 90s and all of those books that I got stuck with, right? And so I, I had a hard time wrapping my head around it. I'm like, so I could run a Kickstarter and if I get a hundred backers, I can print a hundred books. Like, yep. You can print 100. He goes, oh, you. and of course, Tommy is goofy. He's like, oh, you can print 99 if you want to and just tell the other person, oh, sorry, print run short. <laughs> I'm like, wait. And so um, so I'm. I, that's when I decided, okay, cool. And so the first thing I did now, this is before, a little bit before Silverline. First thing I did was a, a book called Tiny. Okay. Uh-huh. Which and I, the way- I, I backed on Kickstarter for you. Yep. I, yeah. I think you even got some of the artwork, didn't you? I think so. Right? It's yeah. somewhere. Who knows? Yeah, it's in my and, office. Well, no, the way this happened though is my daughter kept coming to me. She says, "I have a friend that does art. I have a friend that does art here." You know, and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever." Right? <laughs> Finally, she shoves the artwork in my face and says, "Dad, she's really good. You should look at it." And I'm like, "Wow, she is really good." And she said, "She wants to make a comic," and I'm like, "Really? Okay, this could be my opportunity to make a comic, test out Kickstarter, see how it all works." So that's how Tiny came about. Right. Sure. Well, because of that, I began to reinsert myself into the comic book industry, reach out to the people who I used to know. Uh, You know, I talked to Dean Zachary again, who I met, you know, I I, I mentioned earlier. Um, And we decide that we're going to do a comic. Uh, We start working on that comic and he says, why don't you do Cat and Mouse again? And I'm like, "Um, you know, maybe, but uh." so he talks me into it. And he's like, you know, he and Barb then are like, well, you could bring back Silverline. 
And so I'm tell, telling BJ this whole thing. And she says, yeah, I, I, I told you that you should bring back Silverline. I'm like, really? She's like, yeah. Now let me, let me back up and say when I was doing comics in the seventies, losing money, she was one of the first that said, you got to stop this. <laughs> like, she's like, you cannot lose any more money. I dude, I lost a lot of money. Oh, I bet. Right. Yeah. And she's like, you cannot do this anymore. And, and so when the idea to re- relaunch Silverline a couple of years ago, she's like, well, here's the deal. You got the print on demand. She goes, just don't lose money. Sure. And I'm like, she's like, yeah, she said, keep making comics. She said, just don't lose money. And so that's kind of the directive she gave me. And that's why I really dove into this Kickstarter thing. Now you, you mentioned it, uh, dude, we've done, uh, so in just in the last two years, I've done about 18 comics. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and, 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 you know, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of stuff going around about Kickstarter, how, you know, the, the, you, you, you pledge to a Kickstarter and you're waiting years and years for, that's not the way I do. That's not the way I do business. And some people tell me, well, Roland, you're doing it wrong because Kickstarter is for you to raise the funds. I'm like, I get it, but I've seen so many people burned by pledging to a Kickstarter and then never receiving. And I don't mm-hmm. ever want to be that guy, sure. you know, I don't want to be that guy that, Oh yeah, we pledged to Roland's, you know, Kickstarter three years ago and I'm still waiting for the book. Yeah. And so I will not kickstart a book until we're done or, you know, like 95% done. Sure. And I know that we can finish the last bit during the campaign. Like, like the last campaign we did, we, we had not finished uh, inking and coloring our covers, but I knew that we could do that in, in, you know, in two weeks time. And we did, right. We, we were able to finish those during the campaign and I, and I, you know, uh, showed everybody the updates, um, and so, yeah, so, um, I just finished my 12th campaign. And what's um, the, what's the book that you, uh, you just finished up your campaign for? Yep. So, so, <laughs> uh, you say the book. Yeah. About a year ago, we noticed that we had too many comics that were ready to go. So we started doing flip books. I do two books, a, a Kickstarter now because I'm, we, Silverline is producing so much content I can't afford to wait uh, to, and just do one book. So we're doing flip books for our Kickstarter exclusives. And this last month, we did uh, uh, Bea number one and Silverline team up number one featuring Champion and Miss Fury. Uh, both of those comics are written by me, which is not always the case. I, I publish other people as well, but both of those are written by me. Uh, Silverline team up uh, features Champion who was first introduced in uh, Cat and Mouse issue number three. Um, and it features Miss Fury, who is a public domain character from the 1940s. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Um, and um, I don't I don't remember, do you know um, the Oxford, uh, yeah, the Oxford physician, uh, Dr. Phil, da- uh, Dr. Uh, shoot, uh, Dr. Will Dabbs, do you know him by any chance? No, no. Okay. Anyway, um, he uh, he is the inspiration for the our physician in our comic book. Um, um, long story short, the two heroes find themselves in New Orleans, and uh, they find themselves in a lot of trouble. So they have to team up, right? Because it's Silverline team up. They have to team up in order to de- de- defeat the bad guys. And then the other one, uh, Bea Number One, is a, um, a very different book. But it is a, it's the story of um, the playroom when the kid leaves, right? 
kind of uh, so kind of what, a Toy Story type of approach. Very much so, and and I tell people that yes, I, I I would be lying to you if I said Toy Story was not one of the inspirations, but uh, Winnie the Pooh was a, a big inspiration. Um, I, I can't quote the exact line, but you probably know what I'm talking about. There's a scene in which Winnie the Pooh and and, and uh, Christopher Robin are sitting, and uh, they're sitting on kind of on a hill, looking looking over the Hundred Acre Woods, and and uh, you know Pooh gets a little maudlin, and, and and I think he's thinking about you know Christopher Robin dying. And, uh, you know, it's done in, in a very kid-friendly way, you know, of course. Uh, and I think the thing is like, you know, hey, when, uh, you know, how old will will I be when you're 100? And he said, uh, or, or he says, I'm going to live to be 100. Uh, and then uh, uh, Pooh says, how old will I be? And he says, you'll be 99. He says, well, then I hope I live to be 99. Uh, you know, in, in other words, he doesn't want to live if Christopher Robin's not there, sure, right? Sure. And so that's kind of what planted the seed in my head. What happens to Pooh? What happens to the hundred acre woods when Christopher Robin is not there? And that's kind of what this story is, is, is what happens to the toys when the kid leaves. And so the premise, uh, the, the story starts in which um, the toys think the kid is dead and they just call him the kid. Yeah. And they're like, the kid is dead uh woohoo we have no laws we have no rules except and, and everyone believes that except for bear bear is the one who goes and tells them no the kid isn't dead he's just gone to the big house and he's going to make us a new playroom and when he's done he's going to get us all and he's going to take us you've got to still obey the kid's laws so that we can all go with him when he finishes the playroom and of course, this you know chaos and lawlessness there, and and, and Bear is the one who's trying to to put a stop to all that. So almost a a combination of Toy Story and Lord of the Flies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not charging so. you anything for the marketing advice you're getting here, Roland. I'm not I charging that. anything at all. So cool, <laughs> cool. Well, what I, I am making notes, by the way. There you go. There you go. So uh, as we record this, has um, you know, I didn't do this research. Uh, are you still? Are you still kickstarting? I'm hitting the kickstarters. It's still, or is it over? No, it's done. No, no. It, it ended. Um, it ended last uh, last week um and so we are we are in the we are at that stage where we're waiting for the kickstarter funds yeah good uh, luck with that I, yeah well no you know i've 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 um i've had luck uh with kickstarter yeah um they they deliver them to me right at 14 days after um the kickstarter is over yeah so uh, i don't expect them um I, I expect them next monday is when i expect sure the funds. sure um, that'll be 15 days after the, the end of the, the Kickstarter, but Monday is the first business day. So they've been pretty good about, uh, about delivering it. Um, so, and as soon as that happens, I will, um, I will basically, I will forward that money to go blam and uh, print the comics. They'll take a couple of weeks to print them. I'll get them and then I'll uh, ship them out to all of our backers. So, so how long does this, I mean, is it a two week process for Kablam to print? I mean, how, how quick can they get to your, once you submit artwork that's, that's in a proper format? So I think, I think on their website, I, I think, and I haven't been on their website to look at that information in a while. I think on the website they they have like a six week turnaround, but it helps to know people. <laughs> <laughs> plus, plus you they're they're in Orlando in the Orlando area as well, correct? They're 
they're in Orlando. Look, I've known one guy for 40 years. I've known the other one for 30 years. You, you just show up at their place and say, I'm not leaving until you start running the book. Okay. I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm here for the long haul. So yeah, I, I usually, I usually give them a couple of weeks and then I, uh, and then I send, uh, I, I usually uh, message Tommy back and forth and I usually say, Hey, I'm going to come down Thursday and have lunch. The book to be ready. He's like, yeah, we'll make it happen. <laughs> fun. Fun. <laughs> Roland, great to catch up with you. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. Thank you so very much, Robbie, for uh, for talking with me. I had a blast. Good to hear your voice, man. Same here, man. Take care.